Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? How's it going? Welcome back to the Living with XXY podcast series. I'm your host, Ryan Briganti. And in today's episode, we're going to continue sharing the stories of the voices of adults living with XXY. It is a blog post series that we started quite some time ago on sharing the voices of adults with XXY and kind of what we started with is we started doing video interviews because it's such a great way to learn and meet someone. And I get to talk to all these people that are following us that want to share their story. And I get to kind of meet with them personally one-on-one and figure out where they live and what they do and, and find out just more about them and their story and get to know them and make some new friends. It's, it's a really fun opportunity. So we do a video um, call over Google meet and then we record that phone or we record that video conversation about, you know, asking about their life, childhood and, and what it was like um, about their diagnosis, depending upon when they were diagnosed and get into some details. These stories are about an hour to an hour and a half long. And then Chelsea, um, our writer, she's our director of writing with living with our organization. And she works with another lady called Jen, who we just recently hired um, to help us on a contract basis, project basis. And Jen is doing the transcribing of these um, video interviews. And then once they're transcribed, Chelsea is then taking that transcription and creating these beautiful stories. Um, we are doing stories with prenatal diagnoses, families that are being diagnosed from zero to 18 or from being born to 18. Um, and then we're doing adults from 18 and beyond. And um, these are incredible stories and figured that we would just share them with all of you and, and figured out a way how to do it from the computer through our awesome road uh, podcaster, our road pro road um, procaster or whatever the thing is called. And just sitting here at my desk and we're going to start with Charles. So Charles, um, I've, had an awesome time talking to him. He's a father and, um, he's, his story is incredible. So we're going to get to it. And, but if you would like to share your story, um, you can either email us living with XXY at living with org, Um, or in our social media, there's a link tree and you can sign up by completing our survey that we have, um, or just reach out to us, any of the social media, send us a direct message. We'll, we'll figure out, you know, um, who you are. And, and if you want to share your story, we'll, we'll get you on board. Um, we're probably going to start doing new interviews in July. Um, we're pretty booked up. We've got about 25 more stories to be written as well as the stories that have already been written on our website. So we're going to get into Charles' story, and uh, hopefully all of you guys have a wonderful time listening to his story. Charles Plaisance is a 35-year-old man living with Klinefelter syndrome, or 47xi. He resides in East Bethel, MN, with his family. Charles learned about his diagnosis when he and his wife Angela started trying to have a family. After a successful microtease withdrawal, they had three biological children. As a devout Catholic, Charles believes in the importance of all life. He wanted to share his story to help others understand the value of living with his Xi. Childhood. He was friendly with everyone. Charles is the eldest of five boys and was born in Coon Rapids, Amen. 
He grew up in a loving, supportive household in Blaine, Amen. Charles described his father as a great and wonderful man, who spent ample time with his sons. Growing up, Charles' brothers were very athletic, and participated in soccer, wrestling, and hockey. When they were younger, there wasn't much physical difference between them, but Charles wasn't very athletic. He was always benched, so instead of going out for the baseball team, he decided to be the manager to be with his friends. While he felt being on the sidelines had a little bit to do with the coaches, he also was a smaller child, which might have contributed. In fifth grade, Charles was a tiny kid, weighing only 56 pounds. However, he found success on the football field as the starting center, and played every game. The team won frequently, and came in second at the end of the season. However, when it came time to enroll for the next year, Charles' father feared for his safety due to his small stature, and didn't allow it. Charles felt disappointed at not being allowed to play, because he knew he was good at football and enjoyed it. Charles had lots of friends and was friendly with everyone. Charles described himself as a shy kid, but his friends knew and accepted that about him. High school, he likes getting stuff done. In high school, Charles was misdiagnosed with Attention Deficit Disorder, or ADD, which is now known as ADHD and given Adderall. His grades rose from C's and D's to A's and B's. Even though his parents had high expectations for academic standards, Charles' passing grades were acceptable. To get through school, Charles listened to audiobooks or took extensive notes in class. He liked physics, history, general business, and geometry. Through the tutelage of his social studies teacher, Charles became a good writer. His mother was the storyteller in the family, and from her Charles developed his descriptive writing skills. As an adult, Charles doesn't really comprehend what he reads, his mind wanders, and he needs to frequently read pages over. Throughout high school, Charles had lots of friends, and always had a girlfriend at home. Charles' parents kept their sons busy. His mother worked as an accountant, and taught them how to manage a checkbook. Whenever his dad had projects to do, the boys helped him. Through these projects, the boys learned valuable life skills, and to do their part for the family. Charles found fulfillment in working. He's the type who likes getting stuff done, and feels a sense of accomplishment in completing a task. Charles got his first job at the age of 15, and has been working ever since. His first position was as an assistant in a screen printing shop. He enjoyed earning a paycheck, as well as the responsibility that came with holding down a job. Charles worked at the screen printing job throughout high school, picking up extra shifts on school vacations. With time, he earned the trust of his employer, and was able to bring friends to help out with extra work. After high school, everything changed. After graduating high school, Charles worked at the screen printing shop until an opportunity to do landscaping came along. Though Charles did well on the SAT, college wasn't super important to him. His father had gone to trade school, which felt like a good next step. Charles went to tech school to be an auto mechanic. He worked in the field for a couple of years after graduation until his family purchased a lawn care company. They bought the equipment and name and spent the next 15 years building the business up. Charles now runs the business, handling the customer service, billing, and day-to-day -day operations. The business has four employees, and a small fleet of trucks. After his family purchased the business, Charles returned to tech school to study horticulture and landscape design. While he liked landscaping and horticulture, he gravitated towards the lawn care portion. Following graduation, Charles lived at home until his dad suggested he start doing chores or find his own place. Charles moved into an apartment, and adopted a cat, which he still has. Charles enjoyed living on his own, and spent a lot of time with friends, hanging out and doing dumb stuff and smart stuff. During this time, 
Charles considered enlisting in the Marine Corps. In order to meet the enlistment criteria, Charles weaned off all medications, which included Allegra for allergies, Adderall for ADD, and a low-dose antidepressant. However, after he met Angela, everything changed, and he was no longer interested in joining the military. One Sunday, Charles was hanging out with his friends, acting as the group's designated driver. They bounced around to a few different bars, ending up at one called Majors. It was Prohibition Day, and drinks were super cheap. The bar was mostly empty, apart from Charles and his two friends, there were only five other people there. Angela, the woman who would become his wife, was there with a friend. She and Charles got talking, and exchanged numbers. A few weeks later, they officially became a couple. After dating for six months, Charles knew Angela was the one, and asked his mother for help buying an engagement ring. Charles proposed, and they married in August, 2011. Diagnosis Certain things started to make a little more sense. After their wedding, Charles and Angela started trying for a family, but it just wasn't working. Following some investigation by Angela, she was tested, and her results came back normal. When Charles participated in fertility testing, they learned only three viable sperm were found in his sample. The sperm didn't have tails, rendering them immobile and unable to swim to an egg. The second test yielded the same results. After receiving these confusing test results, Charles received genetic testing and found out exactly what it was. After the diagnosis, Charles said looking back on his life, certain things started to make a little more sense. That he chalked up to just the way that he was. Charles' memory of receiving the diagnosis isn't clear for him, and he thinks he may have blocked it out. Angela continued her research and discovered what their options were. The options they explored were microtesticular sperm extraction, TES, to see if viable sperm could be extracted, using donor sperm, or pursuing adoption. They pursued adoption first, not caring where a baby would come from. However, when they learned more about adoption, they realized it wasn't for them. They looked into donor sperm and the microtest procedure, then decided to go ahead with the procedure. The surgery was expensive, with the bulk of the costs going towards the initial retrieval. Charles joked their first child cost them $40,000. While insurance helped defray some of the costs, each try afterwards cost about $5,000. When their last try took, they conceived a pair of twins, so they got two for $5,000. While he doesn't remember the surgery, the recovery was an ordeal. After waking up in post-op, Charles was discharged without another dose of pain management until he could get his prescription from the pharmacy. The pain was so excruciating, he recalls being on the ground crying in the fetal position. They decided whatever they got out of that surgery would be what helped create their future family. For example, had they gotten 10 viable eggs, they would try 10 times, and wouldn't donate any of the eggs. Ultimately, they were blessed with three kids, and the surgery isn't something Charles wants to repeat. Despite the pain of the surgery, Charles doesn't want other men to feel discouraged. However, he said once the pain was under control, it was nothing. He healed swiftly, and has no lingering pain. He joked one of the benefits of Klinefelter syndrome he appreciates as there's an extremely low risk of unplanned pregnancy. Living with Xi, every life has purpose. Today, Charles enjoys life with his family, which includes seven-year-old Liliana and four-year-old twins Lauren and Lucas. Lucas lives with Rubenstein-Tabi syndrome, which means he has a deletion on his 16th chromosome. The syndrome is considered rare, with only one in every 100, 000125. 000 males and females having it, according to a study in the Netherlands. Charles makes spending time with his children a priority. He loves when his kids run to hug him when he gets home, saying it makes everything worth it, about being a parent. Charles said, 
you don't have to be rich or have all the coolest stuff, because your kid thinks you're cool no matter what. Especially if you spend time with them, Charles has continued his mother's legacy of storytelling by making up songs and telling stories with his family. As a result of spending his youth at his family's cabin in northern Minnesota where he hunted and fished, Charles joined a trap shooting league. He was naturally good at it, and regularly scores a 23 or 24 out of 25 points. He found trap shooting to be an athletic endeavor he's good at and enjoys, while Charles tried testosterone to address low libido issues. It made him really raggedy, and felt it wasn't worth the side effects, so he stopped. As a child, he had lots of cavities, even though he cared for his teeth. As an adult, he has several crowns and weak teeth, which he thinks might be attributed to Klinefelter syndrome. When he was younger, he had asthma, and is allergic to Christmas trees. Charles believes every life has purpose and God put you here for a reason, he feels everyone can be something or someone, despite their differences. He said, you're meant to touch someone in some way to change something in the world. You never know what your life is meant to be, but you've got to live it every day and don't regret anything. Even if you're meant to be here for a short while, you're going to touch someone. Even if you can't have kids traditionally or alternatively, you're still helping someone somewhere. He encouraged people who receive a prenatal diagnosis of Zixia and are considering terminating their pregnancy to reconsider, reminding them they can still have a loving relationship with their future son. While Charles isn't private about his diagnosis, it doesn't come up often. Charles went through a time where he broke down crying, it wasn't so much about the diagnosis itself, but rather for the loss of experience of being a father. Charles is proud to be a part of the Living with Zixia community, and wants to continue to raise awareness about Klinefelter syndrome. He hopes his experience can make a difference for others with his sigh. Well, there you guys have it. There's another amazing story to share with all of you about Charles's life with Kleinfelder syndrome. And we have a lot of quotes that he said and a lot of things on the side that we haven't really published. And I'm like to look at those right, right about now and look at through the extras We've got a lot about his story that we really didn't share. And, and um, I think what we'll do in the future is we'll um, kind of share some of those moments of, of his story um, out there when with, with his consent, obviously. And he's given us consent to share his story um, after the interview and, and all of that. And um, some of these stories are, are very detailed and, and some of them are kind of just touch the basis of their lives of what they share and what they decide to share. And, um, I just really appreciate you, Charles sharing your story and, and reaching out. And, you know, Charles is one of two guys that I know personally out of the thousands that I've met that has had a successful micro T surgery, um, that found out trying to have kids, and then it immediately did micro right after trying to find, um, trying to have kids, um, didn't find out about it early on like I did. And, um, you know, he talked about how learning about Kleinfelder syndrome and how you can't father a child. Well, you know, with potential microtease, donor sperm and adoption, there's lots of other ways that you can father a child. And as the world changes, you know, this biological method of, of fathering a child, it's more and more people are becoming open to adoption and, and donor sperm and, and, um, other methods of, you know, someone could be married into a widowed, um, a widowed mom and, and, uh, with lots of kids or a couple kids. And, um, yeah, you know, 
some of us also living with XXY, we, our interest is not to be a father. So, um, you know, as long as you're happy, that's all that matters. So, um, next up we will have, let's see who's next. We'll have either Gerald or Russell. Um, and then we'll get into sharing some stories of mothers that were diagnosed in utero prenatally. And we'll get into sharing some stories like Jamie Green and Luke Green's story um, that they didn't find out until later on. Um, so hopefully you guys are enjoying these and make sure you guys head on to our website. Lots of information over there. We're continuing to build and, and restructure and add lots of in- information, lots of good um, early intervention information for all of you new parents out there that have sons with XXY um, and lots of other amazing stories if, if the pod listening to the podcast isn't necessarily your thing. So uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Have a wonderful day.